0: Hello friends, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth For Living. Thank you so much for listening today. Whether you're tuning in on the radio on Sunday morning or listening to the podcast, we sure do appreciate you taking the time to listen to uh, these messages from God's Word. Before I bring today's message, I want to remind you about an exciting Sunday we have coming up on March the 24th here in 2024. It'll be in our 10 o'clock Sunday morning service at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, and it's called Countdown to the Great American Solar Eclipse. We're honored to have guest speaker Dave Napier from the Institute for Creation Science. And we're excited, or creation research rather, we're excited to have him as he's going to present information about the solar eclipse, how that God has created the universe to work in order. And we're going to look at some interesting things that day. And so you're hearing more and more about the eclipse that will be occurring in April. So this will just be a couple of weeks before the actual eclipse happens. And, you know, here in Southern Illinois, we are in the path of totality. Uh, it'll be over, I think, two minutes of darkness uh, in the middle of the afternoon uh, when this eclipse occur occurs. So we're looking forward to this again Sunday, March 24th, uh, 2024, at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple at 10 o'clock in the morning. Mount Vernon Baptist Temple is located at 817 Woodland Drive in Mount Vernon. Today's message is uh, one that is about something that has been currently uh, going on, and I have received a lot of questions about it and have read different opinions and comments and thought it would be appropriate to bring a message on, and it's titled, He Gets Us, But Do We Get Him? I'm going to read from John chapter 13 and read from verse 3 to 17. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered, and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, you are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. You call me master and Lord and say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. An American religious advertising campaign called He Gets Us was launched by a group of non affiliated, non denominational, anonymous donors a couple of years ago in 2022. Uh, Over 100 million advertising dollars have been invested in this marketing campaign about Jesus. Their advertising has included billboards, bumper stickers, videos, social media posts, uh, television ads, and uh, newspaper ads, magazine ads, and so on. Their stated goal, the He Gets Us group, is to spend $1 billion in advertising by next year. Now, anytime that much money is spent, you have to wonder what the motive is, what is the purpose, what drives or motivates the He Gets Us movement. Now, some compliment the campaign because it promotes Jesus and uh, has people talking about Jesus, and I guess there's a certain amount of truth to that. Others criticize the campaign because it tends to misrepresent Jesus uh, as a social justice warrior rather than the Savior of the world. Now uh, at our churches uh, I was able to show the ad that was shown during the Super Bowl this this uh just a few weeks ago and this is what really stirred the conversation because you know so many people in fact I think it was the largest viewing audience in television history this past Super Bowl uh, this 1 minute ad uh cost 18 million dollars to run and the ad featured various pictures of people washing other people's feet, and it was all, uh, the pictures were, were uh, socially uh, driven. They were all in a social justice type of context, and the gist of the ad uh, implies that what Jesus did during his ministry was more of a social activist, uh, that Jesus went around washing the feet of sinners, all right? That's what it seems to imply. However, that is not really uh, the way Jesus interacted with sinners. Did he love publicans and sinners? Absolutely. In fact, he enjoyed their company more than the religious crowd, the Pharisees. But Jesus said things like this, you must be born again, or thy sins be forgiven thee, or go and sin no more. Or, take up your cross and follow me. All of these were things that Jesus said to sinners uh, during his ministry. Now, there is truth in the statement, he gets us. Jesus does get us. He gets the fact that we are broken, hopeless, and helpless sinners in need of a Savior. In fact, when you study the ministry of Jesus, and we're going to be looking at this today whenever he washed the feet of his disciples, this is the only record we have of Jesus washing people's feet. These were his disciples. However, there was a formerly demon-possessed woman with an alabaster box of precious ointment who actually washed the feet of Jesus, and she dried uh, his feet. In fact, she washed his feet with her tears and dried uh, his feet with her hair, What this movement is, and again, I don't want to just throw a wet blanket uh, on uh, everything that comes along, but I think as Christians we have to be wise, and pastors and preachers, I think, have this responsibility. This really is promoting a social gospel, all right? And Paul warns in Galatians chapter 1, if any other gospel is preached— Remember, gospel means good news, and it is when you break it down to its bare elements, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if there's any other gospel, be it a social gospel, a prosperity gospel, a feel-good gospel, he says, let them be accursed. In other words, don't even listen to them or give it any type of attention. Jesus also said in Matthew 24, prior to his crucifixion, he said, in the, in the last days, beware of false Christ. Now, I think that not only means there will be people come up and say, well, I'm the Messiah, and that will certainly happen during the tribulation period, but I think you also have a false presentation of Christ, The fact of the matter is Jesus never taught, he never demonstrated a social justice gospel. Yes, he uh, hung around sinners and he loved sinners, but he never uh, encouraged them to stay in their sin. And that's the misunderstanding here. You see, he gets us, makes humanity the focus, and feeds our self-centered nature. Jesus is more concerned that we get him. And salvation comes through the gospel, the good news of his death. Burial and resurrection. Now, with all of that introduction said, as we look at this text in John 13, Jesus is in his final hours, spending time with his disciples before his impending arrest and crucifixion. We're going to explore this act of washing the disciples' feet and the purpose behind it and how it teaches us more about Christ and what he wants of his followers. So, the first thing we're going to look at is an impactful reminder of the honor of jesus christ listen now to verse three again jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from god and went to god that means jesus knew that he uh, he had come from heaven come from god and was returning to god what does that tell us about jesus well that speaks to his deity You see, the social gospel neglects the deity of Christ. He was more than just a good example, more than a good teacher, more than a uh, a good moral standard to pattern our life after. He is very God in the flesh. The deity of Christ is essential to the salvation of sinners. Jesus says in, in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Jesus is equating himself to God. That's also what landed Jesus on the cross, because the, the Jewish leaders hated the fact that Jesus claimed deity, and yet it's essential to our salvation. So Jesus knew these things because he is God. And yet, in verses 4 and 5, we're reminded of his humility. Now here we are, verse 4 says, He ariseth from supper, that would be the Passover meal. And he laid aside his garments, just like he laid aside his deity to come in his humanity to this earth. And he took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that he had girded himself with. Now, I want you to picture this for a moment if you can, and you may even close your eyes just to think about this. Picture the solemn hush of this moment. It's dark outside. Thirteen men are gathered, twelve disciples and Jesus. They've just observed a solemn Passover meal together. And now as everything has quieted down, their leader, who they have watched over the last three and a half years, walk on water, calm the raging sea, heal the lame, the deaf, the dumb, the blind, they've seen him cast out demons. They have seen him raise the dead back to life. And imagine the solemn hush of that moment as Jesus stoops down, takes that towel and basin of water, and begins to wash the feet not of men who had been wearing nice uh, hush puppy shoes all day they've been wearing sandals there in the desert region of israel their feet are sand encrusted and calloused some of them are fishermen you can imagine their feet had to smell and stink some of them were tax collectors not looked on very highly among the society one there of course would deny the lord jesus christ and another would completely defect from him and yet, Jesus, in his humility, begins to wash the feet of these men. What humility it must have taken for God, deity, to come to this earth. Paul writes about this in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's his deity. But made himself of no reputation. Here's his humanity. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. May we always be reminded of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. All honor goes to him and yet reminded of his great humility to come to earth and humble himself to wash the feet of his disciples and then to go to the cross To die for the sins of humanity. Well, the next thing we see in our text of John 13 is an impulsive reaction. Peter has a question. And you know, uh, the Apostle Peter seems to be that one guy always willing to say what everybody else must have been thinking. Verse 6 Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? We don't know how many feet Jesus has washed up to this point. Maybe he had washed the feet of Andrew and Nathaniel and Thomas. Here he gets to Peter and Peter, you know, the others, as they have their feet washed, I'm sure they're thinking, what in the world is this about? Why is Jesus doing this? Peter just asked the question, Lord, are you, are you really going to wash my feet? Maybe he even tucked them back behind him. You know, I I don't want you doing this. And Jesus replies, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Now, how did he not know what Jesus was doing at the moment? It's obvious what he's doing, right? I mean, he's washing feet. No, there's something much more deeper than just the ritual or the act of washing feet. What you have here is something spiritual going on. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But I want to address that statement. You don't know now, but you're going to know. What was Jesus talking about? Well, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, after he uh, died on the cross and three days was in the tomb, he rose again. Jesus was on the earth for 40 days and then ascended to the Father. Ten days later. After uh, 120 had been gathered in the upper room, praying, getting united, the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it emboldened the disciples. And Peter then understood the spiritual things that he didn't quite have a grasp of before the Holy Spirit came. You see, one of the things that we get as Christians, when we get saved, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit which seals our salvation, that, that settles us and gets us ready for heaven. But it also enlightens us to the spiritual things of God. The scripture says that the natural man cannot receive the spiritual things of God. They don't make sense to him. But when you get saved, the Holy Spirit begins to teach us and enlighten us. And Peter, in fact, if you read his preaching in Acts chapter two and Acts chapter three and and, uh, stuff, you find a changed man. He began to understand the spiritual depth. And uh, I think that's the same thing that, that we have that opportunity when we get saved and have the Holy Spirit as well. Well, Jesus said, you'll understand it later, but Peter continues to quibble a little bit. In verse 8, he says, thou shalt never wash my feet. He's pretty adamant about that. And Jesus is just as adamant with his response. He says, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Well, I'm sure Peter was taken back with that. And he said, Lord, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my head. You know, I was thinking, I wonder if Peter maybe didn't have a flashback at that moment. Remember the story of the time in Matthew chapter 16 when uh, Jesus is telling his disciples he's going to suffer, he's going to be killed and raised on the third day. And in verse 22 of Matthew 16, the Bible says, Peter took him and began to rebuke him, rebuke the Lord, imagine that, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. You see, he spoke out of turn, and he's just doing the same thing here, only this time he learns his lesson and makes the correction because he does not want to uh, get out of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and have to be reprimanded again. Well, the third thing I want us to see in John 13 is an important revelation as Jesus now begins to clarify what's going on with this washing of the disciples' feet. Verse 10, we see the Lord's clarity. Jesus saith to him, to Peter, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. In other words, that's all you need here in this washing. But he is clean every whit or everywhere, and you are clean. What is going on? What we need to understand here, and again, this takes a spiritual mind to understand This cleansing here has nothing to do with the water in the basin and the physical washing of the disciples' feet. The power of cleansing was not in the water on the skin, but would be in his blood on their sin. Now, two things occur uh, for the believer. Number one, when we repent of our sin, the Bible says that our sins are forgiven, all right? And we are saved at that very moment. But then after we are saved, there are times that we still sin. You know, I can, I can uh, attest to that. Uh, since I've been saved, I was saved as a young man, a, a child, and yet there have been times when I've said things I shouldn't say, thought things I shouldn't uh, have thought, done things I shouldn't have done, and uh, I need to go to God in confession. I still need to do that. I do that on a daily basis, sometimes more frequent than that. Confession is agreeing with God. It's saying, Lord, I confess. I admit I don't make any excuses. Lord, I sin. Forgive me. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where's that cleansing come from? Not from water, from the blood of Christ. Because two verses prior to that in 1 John 1, 7, the Bible says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. This, uh, this instance of the washing of the disciples' feet is more spiritual than physical. It's not a ritual of foot washing. It's about a spiritual concept of cleansing from uh, sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. A couple of songs maybe you're familiar with. What can wash away my sin? nothing but the blood of Jesus. Another one is, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. So Jesus wants to make that clear. But then now we see the Lord's caution as he closes out verse 10. He says, you're clean, but not all. In other words, not all of you are clean. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, you are not all clean. Now, the question is, who was it that would betray the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, if you know your Bible, that would be Judas Iscariot. You see, here's the thing about Judas. And this makes it really clear that this, isn't, this, this cleansing uh, is not just the, from the foot washing. Because spiritual cleansing is not in ritual or not in religion. Because Judas had physically followed the Lord for over three years in his ministry. Did you know that Judas Iscariot even performed miracles? He was there to hear Jesus teach. He saw all the things Jesus did, but he was never a believer. Uh, Beloved, let me tell you something. Just because you show up to church on Sunday, you know Christianese. You know that language we all know how to speak church-wise. You know all the songs and hymns, and maybe you teach a class. You give of tithes and offerings. But if you have never confessed your sin and received Christ, you're not saved. Jesus makes this clear in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who saith, Lord, Lord... Uh, is someone that I know. He says, they'll stand before me in judgment and say, Lord, haven't we done many wonderful works in your name and cast out devils? And Jesus says, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Not I knew you and now I don't know you anymore. He says, I never knew you. Because salvation is not in ritual, it's not in religion, it's in the three R's. Recognizing our sinful condition, repenting of our sin, and receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior. Salvation is in Christ alone. And then lastly, we see the Lord's command. And now we're going to get down to what this um, example of foot washing for the disciples was all about. Verse 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you. Now it's teaching time. Well, you know, well the, the quick answer is, yeah, you washed our feet. But he's going to explain there's more to it than that. He says, You call me master and lord. And those are two separate terms, master meaning teacher, lord meaning leader. And ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your lord and master, have washed your feet, Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Ah, so there's something he's teaching us here. There's a principle. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. The disciples were not greater than Jesus. Neither he that is sent, Jesus, greater than he that sent him. That would be the father And then he says, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So let me wrap this up. The keys to humility and happiness in life is in this principle that Jesus is teaching. What is he teaching? He is teaching servant leadership. Why is he doing that? You would think something else would be more important. I mean, he's going to the cross in a matter of hours. Why is this important? Here's why. Because the disciples had been uh, sort of jockeying for positions of importance. They had been um, well, sort of debating among themselves who would be the greatest in the kingdom. In fact, two of them, their mother brought them and said, Now, which one, Lord, is going to sit on your right hand or your left? And Jesus said, You know what? That's not even important. He said, The first will be last, and the last will be first. The kingdom is not about making a name for yourself. It's not about trying to get to be first place. It's about serving God and serving others. You see, again, that's another problem with this he-gets-us principle because from the outside and from the shallow person who doesn't understand the Scripture, you think, well, boy, that looks looks good. We should be washing feet and thinking of others. But really, it's all about self-centered desire. You see, it's Jesus who wants us to serve God, and then when we serve God, we serve others. And the best way we serve God is by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not in going around... Uh, you know, saying, well, you know, it's okay to live a certain lifestyle and that's all right. Jesus loves you anyway. God does love the world, but God also is a God of wrath and judgment and justice and sin must be paid for. Jesus paid that penalty on the cross. But if you reject Jesus Christ, you face hell, the judgment of hell for eternity, because you did not accept that sacrifice that had been made. Well, let me let me share this little uh, illustration with you. You know, a large company or organization that has a bunch of computers, often those computers are connected to what is called a server. And a server has two main purposes. That is, one, to share information, and number two, to distribute the workload. That's what a computer server does. So in that context, you think of this, we are all servers for Jesus if we're saved. Number one, we share the message. The message is the gospel. Jesus said, go you into all the world. And he didn't say wash feet. He said, go unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our number one priority. We call it the Great Commission. Then number two, as servers for Jesus, we are to distribute the work. With the spiritual gifts we have been given, every believer was given a spiritual gift at the moment of salvation. Maybe you don't know what it is. I've taught on that before, and we may do that again. But you have at least one spiritual gift. Maybe it's being a helpful person, or uh, an administrator, teacher of God's word. Whatever it is, we are to use those gifts to encourage one another, to build up one another, and then to go and to serve others, not to make us feel good, or even to. Make Make them feel good, but to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal of every believer. And so I want to ask you this. These two questions as I close. Are you sharing that message? Are you sharing the gospel, the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's the most important responsibility of every Christian. Then, number two, are you serving? Are you serving God by serving others? And not just, again, a feel good service, but doing so in pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility that God has done, and Jesus set that example for us in Scripture. Well, thank you for listening today. I hope the message was a help. Let me remind you again, coming up on Sunday, March 24th, 10 o'clock, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, our Great American Solar Eclipse Sunday with Speaker Dave Napier from the Institute for Creation Research. Hope you can be there at that. We'll be announcing that again over the next couple of weeks to remind you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great Sunday morning and uh, be in the Lord's house if you can. Until next week, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds, say, may God bless you is my prayer.